Yes, I didn't know that was happening. <laughs> Aww, I love you guys. Make a girl feel good on a Sunday morning. Ah, uh, okay. My goodness. Okay, so like I have notes and I probably need to get them out because you guys totally made me forget what I was doing. But thank you guys so much. Um, it's so cool to see so many faces and just uh, just courageous people. For sure. I totally agree with Pastor on that. Um, Like on a funnier note, because I feel like we're really serious right now and I like funny. Um, You guys, you were talking about the sheep that took out the shepherd. Well, I have a friend that has these cows that herd her goats. So, um, oh my gosh, Stacey Hartwig, I didn't know you were here. (gasps) Hi guys. Sorry, I just looked over. But anyways, I got this friend that her she has cows that herd goats. So I am just telling you, I'll have to like tag Northern Colorado Cowboy Church in her video because you need to go see these these cows. Um, okay, well, back to sorry, that was totally like Mark Fellini moment. Butterflies chasing butterflies. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> We call him, what do you need? You chase butterflies, and then we have the butterfly catchers. It's like Hope Kern is the butterfly catcher, right? Okay. Whew, had my butterfly moment. Um, so <laughs> in my later years, I've become a very mission-minded person. If you know me, I um, love to wake up early in the morning. I love to usually get a workout in early in the morning as well, but then I love to come in and read and just like start my day kind of with my mind on a mission, um, every day usually has something that I'm like, okay, we're going to get this and this and this done. I'm a homeschool mom. So I have to be semi-organized. I'm probably like the the least organized homeschool mom, but my kids are learning. They know how to read. They know how to do math. Like they know stuff. Come on. So, um, I, I love to have just some stuff laid out. Um, I have missions for my months, missions for my year. And um, recently, I signed up with some crazy friends for a half marathon, which I know there's people in here who probably have ran a full marathon, but a half one for these short legs is going to be a lot. <laughs> and um, I, I signed up for this half marathon and thinking, you know, like, I could probably train like a couple months before and I'll make it through. Like it won't be fun, but I'll make it through. Um, but God got a hold of me and he was like, you know, if you're going to train for something, why don't you train to do it well? Why don't you train to finish well? And I know that God's a God of excellence. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start training for it. Um, mostly because I didn't want to get left in the dust by my team. And I've got one friend that has like gazelle legs. So she's going to be out in front of me anyways. And me and Becky are going to have to work very hard to just keep up with her. Um, so there's a couple reasons that I would prepare. <laughs> um, So I wouldn't get discouraged. Like, I definitely want to prepare for this race so I won't get discouraged. Um, I don't want to start to doubt myself in the middle of the race. I don't want to get lost. Like, I don't know, that's a fear because it's up in the mountains. And I finally, I don't want to give up. Like, that's where failure looks like for me. I don't care if I finish last, but if I give up, like, that's failure. Um, And I think... 
I think God's the same way. Like he is very mission minded and it talks about it in first Corinthians, like running a race with a goal ahead. And in the Bible, it's the goal, the crown of life to make it, to make it to where you are in heaven and you, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, and he doesn't, God, God wants his kids to succeed. He doesn't just expect his kids to roll through life and not have any help or aid from him. He wants to prepare us for that mission. And I love the quote, which I was telling Pastor Darren, I was like, there's like a ton of different people that this quote is attributed to, attributed to. So I don't really know who exactly said it, but it's fail to prepare and prepare to fail. And my whole life, I've, I've always felt like that. Like I had parents that, you know, like, Hey, if you're going to do this, like you need to be practicing, you need to study for tests and everything like that. So, uh, prepare, fail to prepare and prepare to fail. I say it the wrong way about every time I think about it. Um, so what is that mission that God has set out for his kids? And to be honest, I kind of sat there and thought about a few different things. And I thought, well, you know, we're all supposed to go into all the nations and make disciples. You know, that's a good mission. Um, To be a light in this world, you know, that's a really good mission. And then I'm, as a mom, I'm to raise children that are following after God as well. Decent human beings that follow after God, right? But it's actually even more simpler than that, if that can be any more simple. Um, And we'll look to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And these are Jesus's own simple words. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. It's simple, right? It's not easy. Like, (laughs) might be the hardest thing that you do in your life is love people. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I really, truly believe that everything that... I said before, like going into all the nations, making disciples, being a light in this world or raising kids. If you're not loving God and you're not loving people, you will fail at every single one of those more specific things, missions. Um, So how does God prepare us for that mission? And I have gone through a lot of different, you know, there's Bible stories, there's scriptures over and over and over again that talk about wildernesses, the wilderness. Me and Cody were like going by, is wilderness is a word? I don't know. The wilderness. (laughs) God has a thing for preparing his children for the mission ahead by leading us into the wilderness. And if you can think of any of the, the stories in the Bible, probably the most Um, familiar to everybody is when he led the children out of Egypt into the wilderness before the promised land. And then he did it with David. And actually he did it twice with David. David was in the wilderness when he was a shepherd boy, when he killed the lion and the bear. And then he went to King Saul to be his kind of his aide to help him. And then 
he ran back into the wilderness away from King Saul in preparation for his kingship. And then also Jesus, right after the baptism that Pastor Darren just talked about from John, he was led into the wilderness before he started his ministry. God loves to prepare his kids for success. He doesn't just leave us to figure it out on our own. Um, So what is a wilderness? I am a homeschool mom, and I also have a pastor that looks up every single word, like all in the Bible. And so I've taken that upon myself too. (laughs) Um, So I looked up the definition of the wilderness or a wilderness. And Merriam-Webster has a few different definitions. So I'm going to give you part one right now. And it's a tract or region uncultivated or, or uninhabited by human beings, an empty or pathless region, and a barren or desolate area or wasteland. So just think of dry, desolate, empty. That's kind of what gets in my mind for a wilderness. Um, And today we may not be led into a literal wilderness, even though I'd much prefer it over a city, right? I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to the wilderness than a city. But we will be led into the wilderness, maybe spiritually, most likely spiritually and mentally. Um, I know for me, I've felt in my walk in faith, I've felt dry before. I've felt... Maybe like I'm not hearing God or maybe I'm aimless. Like I have no, like, God, where do you want me to go with this? What am I supposed to do in this situation or with my life or this season of my life just feels dry, kind of empty. Does anybody, anybody ever been there, ever felt that way? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been there like that for me. And like, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like the year 2020 has been that, isolation, dry, uh, you know, like the year 2020, I feel like has been a wilderness season. So why the wilderness? Why does God deliver us in or lead us? He leads us. He, like the song said that Kirsty totally did me a favor this week and like learned in like four days and played that song, the Egypt song. Um, but he took the, the people out of Egypt, led them into the wilderness Um, and he delivers us into the wilderness to take us out of distractions. So they were in Egypt, which is symbolic for the way of the world, the world. So he leads us into the wilderness to get us out there with him to be kind of like, okay, I have, I'm out here all alone and I've just got God, which is awesome. Like in my book, I think that's a really good thing. He takes us out of our normal, right? Right now, everything, not normal. Um, In the case of the Hebrews, he takes us out of oppression. And he leads us out there for an allotted amount of time. So God's plan was to take these Hebrew kids for on an 11-day journey, which turned into a 40-year journey based off of mostly their lack of faith, their actions, their behaviors, they're the ones that made it a longer amount of time. <laughs> Remember that one. Um, and he also wanted, he wanted his kids to get to know him. They, had, they knew of God in Egypt 
when they were slaves in Egypt. They knew that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew that, you know, he knew Joseph and Joseph brought them there. They had, you know, had that passed down to them, but God wanted to get to know them on a whole nother level. He wanted to make a kingdom of priests, a holy nation out of these kids that are slaves in Egypt. And he wanted to make them ready for the mission ahead, which was to go and possess the promised land, to go out and be God's people in the world. And so uh, God lays out choices in that wilderness. There, every day, those, those kids had choices. They could choose to obey God and follow after him and to be thankful for him because of his provision. Like if you read that account, man, there are some miracles that happened in that story. So I'm going to look at a few different choices for you guys. Uh, The first choice is to decline or to develop. God brought the the Hebrew kids out of Egypt and then spent the next 40 years teaching them, training them, preparing them, to be sons and daughters instead of slaves in Egypt. He took 40 years to get the Egypt out of them, right? <laughs> the worldly, that worldly desires, the world, the worldliness that was inside of those, inside of the Hebrew kids since they had lived so long there. Oh, it says over 400 years. Um, so it's our choice to develop into sons and daughters of God or to decline as slaves as we continue to live in doubt and to fear and despair. And that was something that God, he took that serious because he could not bring those, those people into his promised land, into this beautiful land that, had, that was flowing in milk and honey if they still had the slave mindset because they would just make that into... Uh, they would make that place a wasteland basically because of that slave mindset. So he took 40 years teaching them, preparing them, training them to not be slaves, but to act and behave and believe that they're sons and daughters of God. And that's something that he definitely does for us. I don't know about you, but I becoming and learning to be a daughter of God is so It's so rich. It's so amazing because I learned how good he is. So um, it talks about, I was reading through Psalms and I love Psalms because David wrote those when he was in his wilderness a lot of times. And um, in Psalm 78, he's actually talking about the, the kids being in Egypt at this time. And it says, in spite of in spite of this, in spite of all the wonders and the miracles and everything that they saw, they still sinned and they did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days um, he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Like totally, I don't want that. I want the, I want the good stuff from God because I'm a daughter of God. So this is also a time where we get to shrug off our Egypts. Like I had that in my mind today or this week preparing for this is that we get to shrug off the world. We get to shrug off our Egypts when we step into that wilderness because God has got us away from those things. He's going to speak into us. And sometimes it feels dry. It feels like, oh, this is uncomfortable. This isn't normal for me. But when we can look to God, he gets to fill us up with what he's wanting to do to to transform us into those children of God. Um, 
God, his intention for the wilderness is not for us to set up camp and stay there, right? We're not meant to live and die in that wilderness. He wants us to learn and grow as his children and to move out in faith. It's a journey through, not a final destination, right? Like we've got to get through it to get through it is kind of what God is expecting of his children, wanting us to do. So that next choice, that he, that he gives us in the wilderness is, are we going to wither? Are we going to worship? And not only is the wilderness a proving ground for us as believers, God in that wilderness gets to prove how good he is to us, which is really cool because he doesn't need to, but he wants to. He wants to prove how good he is to us. And if you read through that wilderness account, God proves his love and his provision for his children over and over and over and over and over again. And it's almost like if you read it, you're like, gosh, why don't these people get a hold of this? Like, why are they so, you know, spoiled, right? (laughs) But God taught his children how to worship in the wilderness. He brought them out of there. He brought them to this mountain and he wanted to teach his kids how to worship. Not in God is so worthy of our worship, but it wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to take you out here and you need to learn how to worship me because I'm this good. You know, that's, that was not God's heart. His, his mentality of it was that he wanted us to, to teach us how to worship because worship is the weapon that God gives us to bring us into alignment with him, to prepare us for the battle ahead, and to finally defeat the enemy. If you read in any of it, the worshipers always went out in front of the army. And the really, really cool part of it is many times in the Bible, the Hebrew kids didn't even have to strike anyone. They just started worshiping and people just The enemy just fell down. Yes, exactly. I love that. And I love that our church is such a worshiping church because I know that we go forward and the enemy is just flattened because of our worship and we use it as a weapon. And we are created to worship, right? we We were created to worship God and to make our worship a lifestyle. And if you can really get that down in the deep, deep inside of you, gosh, it's so good to see. It's so good that we don't actually have to strike someone, (laughs) strike anything like that, that it just flattens because we're worshiping God. And worship doesn't always have to look like coming to church, they play the music and that's worship. Man, worship can be in the words that you say, the way you treat people, what, you know, you, what your house is like when people walk into your house. I love like the, one of the greatest compliments I've ever had is people walk into my house and they're like, man, I can just feel like peace in here. There's just such a peace. So that is something that God, he wanted to teach his kids because he knew how valuable it was going to be, especially going into the promised land. And um, I believe it was pastor a few weeks pointed out about Joshua. Joshua was kind of Moses's assistant when Moses was still alive. And it talks about when God came down into the tabernacle, Moses went in and he worshiped God and all the people around worshiped God. And then they got done and they kind of went back home. But Joshua stayed at the tabernacle outside of it. And he worshiped God. He didn't want to leave it. And guess who was the one that got to go into the promised land? Guess who was the one that got to lead the children into the promised land? The one that learned to worship. 
Um, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling downtrodden or in despair or anything like that, I just highly encourage you, put on some worship music. Talk to Kirsty. She could probably line you out with like a whole Spotify list or something like that. Like <laughs> worship is so good for our souls to walk out victoriously back into whatever we're facing in the world. In that last choice, I'm sure there's a lot more choices, but this is what God gave me. So, <laughs> um, is to give up or to get after it. And the Hebrews that died in the wilderness, the ones that got left back there that did not get to go into the promised land were the ones that gave up. They refused to believe who God was. They whined and complained. They wanted easy. They didn't want to fight for the promised land. They just wanted God to give it to them like spoiled, entitled children. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about God. And I don't think that that's what he's about. Like he wants to train us, to fortify us, to go out and to live victoriously. But also we've got a tough job bringing his love into the world. Like I said, loving people is not easy. So with that, spoiler alert, God doesn't promise easy but he does promise to be with us every step of the way, which that's a really, really good promise. Even when you may not feel like he is there, sometimes that's the time where we're like, man, I've got to dig in. I've got to get in the word of God. I need to turn on my worship music. I need to do something to where I am digging in. Sometimes it takes a little work on our end, right? God isn't all about just the easy. And we need to take responsibility for our faith. Don't rely on the church for your faith because you know what? This is once a week that we come here together. And don't rely on maybe your grandma's faith, right? Like, I got a praying grandma, I'll be all right in life. No, like you get the faith inside of you that it's going to take in this dark world. Right now, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the squeeze on my faith. And so this is a time for me to really know what do I believe? And why do I believe it? And can I speak it to somebody and tell them with authority and with power, this is who Jesus Christ is to me. This is what he's done for me. This is what he's done for this world. And if we do not have that passion, if we do not have that deep on the inside of us, we will not convey that the way that God meant us to convey it to them. So get that inside of you. Know what you believe right now. Remember, fail to prepare and you're going to prepare to fail, right? So there's something too that I've been, I've, I've told this to many, many people because I have just started it, which is kind of sad thing probably, but me and my little girls have been memorizing scripture. And every night that I put them to bed, we go through the four or five different scriptures that they've been memorizing. Cause I don't know about you, but I feel like in this day and age, there's probably going to be a time where the Bible might be outlawed. And you know what? If we don't have it written on the inside of us, who's going to remember it? I want to know it. I want my little girls, when they have faced anything like that, that they can bring up those scriptures, that they can say them out loud. So not meaning to be a Debbie Downer, but I really feel that heavy on my soul. If they're going to burn books, that's probably going to be the first book that they ever burn. So I also wanted to bring up one more thing because I was talking about getting after it. How How else can we get after it? And I was looking at... 
Joshua and Caleb, Joshua again, they were two of the 12 spies that went into the promised land to scope out the land, to see what it was all about, to see if there was any, you know, anything they needed to watch for. But also like, I think Joshua and Caleb went out there to be like, heck yeah, I get to be the first one to see like the really cool place. And I'm so excited. Like, I love that. I like going to see stuff for the first time. But, you know, if you read the account, they came back and they told Moses and the rest of the people, um, like jo- the other spies, not Joshua and Caleb, sorry, I didn't get that straight in my head. They were saying, you know, there's giants that are huge and they're going to kill us and they're going to take us out. And Joshua and Caleb ca- came back and they're like, yeah, there's giants, but my God's bigger than giants, right? Like, come on now, let's go, let's go out and let's take possession of it. That was a get after it faith. That was taking responsibility for what God says that you are promised already, right? And so I think I've heard pastors say this before. And they've said that you're either in the midst of a wilderness, you're either coming out of a wilderness season, or you're about to go into a wilderness season. So wherever you're at, I feel like that... This is something that we just need to get a hold of. We need to get it on the inside of us so we are prepared, right, for the mission ahead. And there's another, I wanted to read that second part of the definition of the wilderness to you. And when I read this, it's actually like, it's like maybe even just not even part of the first one. It's a completely different way of defining the wilderness, but it's also from Merriam-Webster. And it says, the wilderness is a part of a garden devoted to wild growth. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, okay. So before I believed that the wilderness was an uninhabited, dry, desolate place, a little, a little different than a garden, right? But that's the thing. So God leads us into the uninhabited to bring forth the uninhibited life in him. He wants us, he, want, he draws us out into that wilderness for us to learn more about him, to learn to worship, to get the Egypt off of us and to get the Godship, the son, being sons and daughters inside of us so that we can grow in that wild growth in him. So I encourage all of you to welcome the wilderness, Right? welcome it. Maybe it's not always fun. Maybe in this time where we're at as believers, as in America right now, like you may feel that dry, desolate, but dig into God because there is such wild growth. And I love what pastors said about the rain coming and how it brings up when we are rooted in him, that it brings up growth. So we can choose to develop or we can choose to decline, right? We can worship or we can wither and we can get after it or we can give up. But the, the thing is, is that if we all learn to not look at as our, as our wilderness, as this dry, desolate place, but to, to step forth into growth into him, that's when we get that crazy wild growth. And God, we've been talking about revival. I know I didn't exactly preach on it today, but it's been, we've been, 
you know, praying for personal revival, praying for revival in America as well as the world. Um, and if you remi- remember what the definition of revival is, it's reviving and restoring that which is dead or neglected or dormant. So I don't know what you think about that, but it kind of sounds like the wilderness, that deadness, right? And that which is dead or neglected sounds, I mean, exactly like where a lot of us could be in the wilderness. But if we're going to look at the wilderness as a place devoted to wild growth, um, I wanted to bring up just one more scripture to show you that, to show that that is God's definition of the wilderness. That's what his plan is for when he leads us out, when he led the Hebrew children out, when he led David out, when he led Jesus out into the wilderness. So Lindsay, if you don't mind bringing up Isaiah 35, one through two, and it says, even in the wilderness and desert, we'll be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. And I have a picture for you all, too. So that picture right there, that was taken in February of this last year. And that body of water is the Dead Sea. And then everything around there is wildflowers. And if you guys know of anything about the the Dead Sea, it's full of salt. That is why it's dead. And usually around the entire coast, there is nothing because there's so much salt deposits on there that nothing grows in it. I've been in Alaska one time after they had a huge, like, well, it's, it's been years and years and years since the earthquake, but there was an earthquake out in the ocean and it flooded so much of the coast and that everything where that salt water came in killed everything. That's what the Dead Sea looked around like that, but they've had so much rain this year in Israel that the Dead Sea has begun to blossom and to grow. And I really truly believe that Isaiah is coming forth. This is coming true now. They're seeing blooms. They're seeing growth in Israel, in the wilderness, in that, that, that dead wilderness zone. That was where the, where the, uh, sorry, the Hebrews came through. Um, so the wilderness can bring forth uninhibited wild growth. And I want that for you. I want that for me and our world needs that, right? Are we willing to walk through wildernesses for this world? Right. Are we, are we going to welcome the wilderness, embrace it and learn and grow and be fortified and prepared for whatever is to come? And I think that our greatest mission, like it said before, is to love God and to love people. And without those things, we, we are not doing anything. And I know, like, for me, I can say, yeah, I love God. But if I do not treat my, my brother or my sister with that love, I, the Bible says I cannot love God. I cannot It doesn't say, well, you might not love God or you're not showing that you love God. God says, you're not loving me. And for us to be his children, we have to have both of those things going on. So with that, guys, I really, I want to pray over you. 
And I want to pray for us to really understand the choices that God gives us and to grow or to wither out there in the wilderness. So if you guys don't mind, I'll pray and I'll close it out. Father God, thank you so much for the people that you brought into this church today, God, that they are a courageous group of people, Father, that are willing to step forth into your promises. Father God, I pray as we go forth into life, into this world, that we truly understand how to love you and to love people, God. And I just pray for each person in here today, as they go forth through their day, as they go forth through their week, that they just fall in love with your people, Father. Um, I know that there's a lot of times here that maybe we feel uncomfortable in public just with everything that's going on, God. But I pray that um, they're able to make an impact for you, for your kingdom this week as they go about their days. And for the rest of the rest of their lives, Lord, that they fall in love with your people as much as they're falling in love with you. And I pray for a fervent uh, just growth inside of them, that they choose life over death, that they choose you, God, over whatever this world has to offer, Father. And I just pray if there's someone in here today that has not got to say yes to you, Lord, that they choose you, Father, that they're tired of living in Egypt, that they're tired of the weight of the world coming down on them, Father, and that they, they step into what you have for them into life in Jesus. And then if you accept him, that you are saved, you have salvation in Jesus' name. Father God, I just pray over this group of people. I pray that you would just pour out that rain on their lives and just bring forth those blossoms, bring forth that growth, Father God. And we just love you, and we just thank you so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.